we'd like to welcome you this week to the Word of Life AG podcast. Continuing on in our series called Let's Be Clear, Pastor Randy brings to us a message on why Jesus came. If you're new to our church, we'd love to connect with you. Head over to wordoflifeag.org connect to fill out our online connection card. For now, here's the latest message recorded on October 28, 2018. Today, I'm um, going to go into uh, one more time we're going to be dealing with, um, let's be clear, I had it as a two-week two uh, series. We've just bumped it up to three because I've added something new. So this is week number three of a, a three-part series uh, that is entitled, uh, Let's Be Clear. And the message that I'm speaking on today is why Jesus came. Why Jesus came. Now listen, we're really glad for those of you who may be brand new to the church today, your first time being here, or maybe you've just been coming a short time, we're really glad that you are here with us today. And if you've been here like for the past few months and you're still not sure, you're not sure what you feel about God and the Bible and the church, I'm asking if you would please just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. We, we love you being here with us. We really do. Even though you may not understand it and you may not even believe it yet, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here with us. And uh, we're, we're confident as well. We're trusting that uh, whatever it is you're searching for, you're going to find it. So I encourage you to just keep coming here. In fact, Jesus says, Jesus says, he says, if you seek, you're going to find if you knock, the door's going to be open. And if you ask, you're gonna, you're gonna, the door's going uh, to receive. And so I just want to challenge you to just keep coming. Just keep coming. Just so you know. Just so you know, we are not the average church out there. Just so you know. Uh, we believe in some pretty wild things here at Word of Life. And, uh, and what we believe, I want to share with you. I want to give you just a couple of examples of what we believe here. We emphatically believe in the existence of God, who revealed himself as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in God. We really do in this place. We get 100% of our information and understanding about God through a book. This book. And it's called the Bible. The, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We get all of our information through that book. Um, we also believe that the, the, this book, the Bible, is verbally inspired by God to man, and it is 100% flawless. We emphatically believe that God became one of us. We believe that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus is God himself taking on human flesh, living among us for some 33 years of his life, and would die on a cross we also, believe that, we also believe that not only because it is historically true and accurate that Jesus, is the son, uh, Jesus was uh, on that cross, has lived on this planet for 33 years, but we also believe it because the Bible in both the Old Testament and New Testament, but the Bible had prophesied, prophesied or told us hundreds of years before any of this would happen that there would be a Messiah that would come who would rescue us and who would redeem us. It wasn't hundreds of years before before the birth of Christ. It was thousands of years before the birth of Christ that this prophetic word would come. And after three and a half years of public ministry, where there were miracles and signs and wonders, unlike any other time in human history, Jesus was rejected by the, by the religious leaders and arrested and would be beaten and bruised and would end up being crucified on a cross. And he would die. But... 
But three days later, he rose from the dead. And he was seen by hundreds some 40 days after his resurrection. And he ascended into heaven, promising that he would return, that he would come back and he would come back soon. Go with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 19. He's promising that he would he would return. Acts chapter 1, verse 19. Now, the Bible says, <clears throat> Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white, in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the heavens? Why are you doing this? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. We really do believe that, that Jesus is coming back again and it could happen at any time. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. He's a great God. Okay, so I told you we believe in some pretty radical things, and we really do. In fact, the guy who's speaking to you right now, I believe that. I believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God for one reason, because 47 years ago, he changed my life. I've never been the same since. He is truly who he says he is. Now, that opening that I just did with you about our history and a little bit of that kind of stuff, uh, that may be a little bit familiar to some of us that are in this room today. Because exactly two years ago today, on, on uh, October 30, 2016, I spoke a message that was entitled, Why Jesus Came. I did this. I, I talked about why Jesus came. And there's a many wonderful reasons why Jesus came into this world. And one of the primary reasons why Jesus came was that there are some things about God that you will never know in this life un unless you look at Jesus. In other words, God is so magnificent and so much that he has to offer. You and I may never understand that unless we begin to look at Jesus. Because Jesus came to communicate and to de demonstrate what God is like. Jesus came to communicate and to demonstrate what God is like. So let me just take you back real, real quick. Three points of that message on October 30, 2016. Point number one. Point number one is to know Jesus is to know God. Point number two was to know Jesus is to know God's love. And point number three was to know Jesus is to know that you have been forgiven. You and I have been forgiven. So church, more than anything today, more than anything today, I want you to know who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Which leads me to a new message, <laughs> why, uh, why Jesus came, part two. Why Jesus came, part two. So let me tell you right up front why he came. Let me, let me go to, go with me to Luke chapter four in your notes. Luke chapter four. If you don't have your notes, if you don't have a, a smart device, you can follow along up on the screens here as we go along. Luke chapter four. Let me just read to you verses 18, uh, 18 and 19 for right now. Now, it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There are five things that I just read, five things that, that Jesus tells us why he came, why he has come to this world. Five things that I want to talk to you about. And uh, what Jesus says right here in, these, in this opening statement, what he says, he's basically saying something like this. In these two verses, he's saying, this is who I am, and this is why I came. This is who I am, and this is why I came. Now listen, 
I've got a little bit of a rub with all of this right now. I just have a little bit of rub that I want to talk to you about. Now, my rub is nothing, has nothing to do with Jesus or what his declarations are as to uh, who he is and why he came. But my rub is with some other people. My rub is with some other churches. My rub is with some other denominations who do not believe what Jesus said of himself to be true. They don't believe it. They just don't believe what Jesus is saying in these words that it's true. And if that be the case for those other people, for those other churches and those other denominations, and maybe even some of us that are in this room right now, maybe some of us don't believe that what Jesus says is true. Maybe you're someone who's in that same camp with some of these others. Then we're not following the Jesus who was in the Bible, who was saying, to the, saying those words, and yet we don't believe him. We don't believe him. The truth is, all of them maybe following some other Jesus than the one that's in the Bible. Now, hold on a little bit. I don't want you to get upset with me. I don't want you to think I'm out ready for some argument, some kind of a fight. I'm not willing to wanting to do that because primarily I have a scripture verse to prove my point. Thank God. <laughs> Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul. This is incredible. The Apostle Paul says these words. He says, but I fear... But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul starts out and he says these words. He says, I fear. I fear. In other words, there's a concern that he has as he's beginning to speak this. So let's dig a little bit deeper. You're going to understand it better. Let's go back to uh, verses 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. And it says these words. Paul says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Listen, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus, did you hear that? The apostle Paul says, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you have received a different spirit which you have not received from us, or a different gospel in which you have not accepted from us, listen, listen. You may just put up with it. You may be okay with it. You may be okay with your pastor talking about a different Jesus than what the Bible talks about. But just so you know, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it. You see, he talks about another Jesus who is different from the Jesus that's in the Bible. And the fact of the matter is, a different Jesus is being preached a lot throughout the church. Not just in America, but around the world. Not even including what we find on, the, on websites and on the internet about who Jesus is. But the fact of the matter is, for many of us, many of those people who don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible, they certainly love Jesus for fire insurance. I mean, they want to believe in that part of Jesus. They're going to say, you know, when I die, I don't want to burn in hell. I want to live forever in heaven. But the problem with that is, they go back to, they don't believe in the Jesus who can change your life. They don't believe in the Jesus that can help you here on earth with whatever problems you may be going through. They don't believe in the Jesus who can help you overcome your addictions and diseases and brokenness that you have in your life. They don't believe in that kind of Jesus. So what I want to do today is that I want to prove to you the Jesus who's in the Bible. I think that this is going to be something that will help us to understand why Jesus came. I think it's going to go a little bit deeper. 
than what we find. Because that Jesus, that Jesus is not the Jesus that's in this particular book right here that we call the Bible today. Um, go with me to Luke chapter 4. Let's go back. And now I want to read you more of, of the text that we're using for today. Luke chapter 4 beginning at verse 16. So he, Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had uh, been brought up. And as his custom, custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. <clears throat> and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the page where it was written. Listen, what we just read a moment ago, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Thank you, God. There's some important details in this passage that I think we need to cover real quick here. Number one, this is Jesus' hometown. This is where Jesus grew up. This is Jesus' hometown. And Jesus is actually announcing who he really is. Who he really is. More about that in just a minute. The scripture that Jesus quotes is found in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 18 and 19. And it was a very well-known passage. It was a uh, messianic passage, and it was very well-known to all the Jews of that day. And uh, it's amazing how God gives us so many details, and we just skim by them when we read the Bible. We just don't see it. So there's a couple of things that I want to just dig a little bit on with this as I start this message off. Starting off this first sentence in verse 16, he says, so he, came to his, he, uh, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up in that first verse, verse 16. In other words, this is his hometown. This is his hometown. So right here, Jesus grew up in this particular community. And up to right now, just as he's about ready to grab a hold of the Bible and read uh, Isaiah 61, up to right now, Jesus has only been a carpenter. He's 30 years old, somewhere around 30 years old, and the only thing about Jesus that they know is that he's been a carpenter. Now, I, I don't know this for sure, and I know it's not in the Bible, so I know I'm, I'm adding a little bit to all of this, but it could be. I mean, it, it, it could be that when Jesus walked into that church and walked up to that pulpit, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that Jesus is wearing uh, some, some work boots. I, I, I think he has a tool belt on. I think he's wearing a pair of jeans and there's probably some rip on the knees because, you know, he's been working like crazy, building something, doing something, going somewhere. Uh, and I also believe that he has sawdust all over his shirt and, and, and pants and boots. And the Bible says he walks up to the pulpit, basically it says, and he opens the Bible and he begins to read about the Messiah found in Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. And then concludes all of that with what I read to you. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let me give you the interpretation of what Jesus just said, what this homeboy just said to the people of his community and is now resounded to this generation. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I can hear, I can hear Ethel and Henry off to the side just sitting back talking a little bit and saying, but isn't he the young man who built our back porch a couple of years ago? He's the Messiah? Yes, Henry, we think he is now. A few verses down from all of this, this is pretty cool as well. The people in that community got really mad at Jesus for saying what he said. And they began to push Jesus. They began to sort of crowd him out, began to push him toward the edge of the town because what they were going to do was throw him off a cliff. But I love what Luke 4.30 says. And not in your notes, but it says this. Then passing through the midst of them. There's this crowd around him and they're trying to get him because they're going to throw him off the cliff for doing and saying what he said and what he's doing. Uh, but, But as they're doing that, the Bible says that through the midst of them, he was able to find his way out because he knew, he knew, this isn't the way I'm going to die. He knew that. The point is, Jesus said, this is who I am and this is why I'm here. So in this passage, we're going to deal with five, five funda- uh, foundational ministries of Jesus. And as I go through them, I want you to remember, I want you to remember this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you say that with me? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Point number one. Point number one is salvation. Salvation. I'm going to read some scriptures from Luke chapter 18 and verses 18 and 19, but they're going to be in different order. It's going to be according to the, to the ministry that Jesus has. So stay, bear with me. The, they, it will all be projected. Number one is salvation. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Verse 19, Jesus says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What Jesus is talking about with the acceptable year of the Lord, this is salvation. He is talking about Salvation. Go with me to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he says, in the acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Listen, this is very, very important for you to hear. Important. It's not just that you can accept him. This is not what Jesus is talking about. It's not that you can just accept him. It is so that he can accept you. That's the point of this. It is that he would be able to accept you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is because of what I'm going to do for you, now you can be accepted. Now will be the acceptable time for you to believe on me and to receive me is what Jesus is saying. Jesus will lay down his life and pay for all the sins of all the world. Isn't he a good God? He is a good, good God for us. So we find here, it says in verse 18 that he came to preach the gospel to the poor. The word gospel, of course, means good news. The poor that Jesus is talking about is not just any old poor person, not just somebody who doesn't have enough money to do what they need to do. It's more than that. It's more than that. He's talking about the poor in spirit. You find in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus said on the Sermon of the the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall inherit The kingdom of heaven is what that says. So what Jesus is talking about here is a Greek word that is called tukos. Tukos. Tukos is reaching in all the way down to the poorest of the poor who are not able to work. Who are not able to work. They could not provide for themselves. They probably are lame or they're crippled or they're maimed. They sat in dark corners and would put a cup out in front of them so that all you could see is the cup, but you couldn't see them. 
They didn't want you to see their face. They didn't want you to see why they're not able to work. They're embarrassed. They would, want, they would not want you to see anything. They did that so that you would never catch the glimpse of who they are and be able to criticize or whatever you may, people may want to do. They literally physically could not work. If someone doesn't put something in the cup, eventually they're gonna die. They will die. And here's what Jesus says, our savior redeemer. He says, let me explain something to you. If I don't help you, if I don't have mercy on you, you're going to die. And you're going to die spiritually. You are two costs. You are two costs and you can't even save yourself. You can't even provide for your own self, your own self-righteousness. But, Jesus says, but the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to you, to cost, to you, the poor, the poorest of the poor. He has called me to bring you good news if you would choose to believe. Jesus' first ministry is to save us when we can't even save ourselves. Point number two, point number two is inner healing. Verse 18, verse in, uh, the verses that Jesus uses for this is verse 18. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, set me at liberty, uh, set at liberty those who are impressed. Point number two, special treat today. I'm thrilled to tell you that my lovely wife is going to give us point two. She has an amazing story of this fundamental ministry of Jesus. Go for it. After we come to know God in a very personal way through salvation, next on our spiritual journey, we often need to find freedom. Freedom from some of those areas in our life that are holding us back from being fully used by God. And Luke 4 is saying that Jesus came to liberate us. Where possibly for some of us, our past life experiences have been to harm us. Jesus came to not only save us, but to free us and to restore us. My husband has asked me today to tell you a story of something that happened to me at his mom and dad's house, the Chiz family, big old log cabined farmhouse years ago. At the time, my husband and I were staying overnight at his mom and dad's house. And at the same time, his oldest brother's wife, our sister-in-law, was staying there with all of her children. And I can tell you, it was chaos, it was bedlam, there were dogs and kids and noise, and it was nuts. But on this one night, everybody had gone to bed and the house was very quiet, and I want to tell you what happened. I woke up in the middle of the night hearing a very gentle, audible man's voice call my name, and he only said my name one time. I sat right up in bed, I was completely calm, and I said, come in, expecting the bedroom door to open and whoever it was to come in. When no one entered the bedroom, I got up, went to the door, opened the door, expecting to find somebody outside the door, and there was no one there. I knew I heard someone call my name. So I went out into the hall. I went down the stairs into the kitchen, expecting that somebody at least had to be in the kitchen that called my name. No one was in the kitchen. But what I did hear was someone crying in the family room. And when I went into that family room, I found my sister-in-law in there, sitting on a couch, crying and shaking. 
She told me that she had just had a horrible nightmare, and she was so disturbed that she couldn't get to sleep. And one of the things that disturbed her about it was she couldn't understand why she had it, first of all. Nothing about it resonated in her, and it just left her shaking and crying. Now, one thing I have to stop and tell you right now is I was a brand new believer. <laughs> this was a prime situation for a brand new believer. I believed mountains moved, thunder roared, and that's what I was believing. I was looking at her, and I was so filled with compassion for her sobbing and crying, and I said, of course, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And I laid my hands on her, and I began to pray. Nah, nothing happened that I thought was going to happen. I really thought that I was going to get this great interpretation of what this dream was, and I was going to be able to share that with her. And then I was going to be able to see the peace of God just flood over her heart, and she was going to be able to go to bed, and so was I. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's not what happened at all. But she did stop sighing, sobbing, shaking, and crying. And here's what she did. She is completely calm at this point. I want you to know that. She begins to tell me her dream. And in her dream, she didn't recognize where this place was. She had never been there before, but she was walking on this road, and she stopped and was looking at this beautiful pond and watching the sunset just as it rapidly begins to get dark in minutes. A blue car came down the road, its windows were open, you know, it was a warm summer night, and the car slowly went by her and came to a stop. And that's when she heard one guy say, let's get her. The car came to this abrupt stop, and she heard one guy laughing. They were all laughing, but this is what the one guy, he said, there's five of us, and she's all alone. Let's do it. She instantly knew she was in danger, and she took off running. But she had no idea where she was running because she didn't know where she was, except that she could see this path that was leading toward this pond. And as she headed for the path, she could hear their foul language. She could hear all their evil sexual comments that they were going to do to her. And she said as soon as she got to the path, it was like the path was highlighted. Every part of the path was highlighted for her, and it began to guide her every step. She went over rocks and under fences. She went around potholes, and all the time she could hear the twigs snapping behind her and the vile comments that they were making. And she was running and running hard, and she was breathing hard, and she began to sweat, and she began to tremble, and she could hear them getting closer and closer. And that's when it happened. That's when she woke up and she found herself crying, sobbing, and she was literally covered in sweat. Now, as she's telling me her dream, I'm starting to sob. And then I started to shake. And then I started to tremble, and I was crying uncontrollably. And she had absolutely no idea that every single detail of that dream that she was describing was an event that actually happened to me and as she was speaking and telling that dream, I was becoming undone because I was reliving a real nightmare. I was 16 years old. It was a warm summer night, and I was walking up the road on my family's pond. 
and I was headed to a place up on the pond where my entire family was getting ready to have a big bonfire. My grandfather, my grandmother, my cousins, all of us. It was quickly getting dark when a blue car came around a bend, came down the road, slowed down, came by me, and I heard one of them say, let's get her. Next, the car went past me, came to a screeching halt, and that's when I heard the doors on the car begin to open, and one of them laughing said, there are five of us, and she's all alone, let's do it. My house was behind me. The car was blocking me from my house, and the only, way that, the only place that I go was straight ahead of me, so I began to run. And I ran towards the path, because on the, my right was a cliff in woods, and the only thing I knew was that path, so I ran for the path. And I could hear the twigs. I could hear their feet. I could hear them coming after me. And as I ran that path, I want you to know, I never once looked behind me. I never once glanced to see where they were. And at this point, it's dark. It's getting pretty dark. But it was like daylight to me on that path. I could see every rock. I could see every pothole. I never stumbled. I never tripped. I had to go underneath an electric fence, even. And I had one thing on my mind where my family was, and that's where I was headed for safety. Now, at this point, I'm telling my sister-in-law my dream, and I'm a hot mess. I am shaking uncontrollably. There's snot probably everywhere. I am crying. I am frightened. I can tell you that I was near brink of hysteria. And that's when she said, with all authority, all full authority in a totally calm voice, she looked at me and she said, now I know why I had that dream. The Lord let me have that dream so you could be set free tonight, free from this terrible incident that's left you frightened, scared, and unbelievably filled with fear. And she had no idea what I was even doing up. She had no idea that a, I heard an audible voice, call my name, wake me up in the middle of the night. But one thing she did have, she had discernment. And she knew something was happening to me. And she said this next. She said, Jesus is going to set you free. And he's going to heal those memories. And he's going to deliver you of that fear. And it's going to happen right now. And when she said, right now, I can tell you I wanted to bolt. You know the big baby Christian, woohoo, that was ready to lay hands on her? I was petrified. I was covered with emotions and reliving the greatest fear. And the only thing I could think of was I wanted to bolt. I wanted to run. I wanted those memories to stop right there. And she reached out and she gently laid her hands on me and she began to rebuke the enemy. And she began to push that enemy all the way back to the foot of the cross where the blood of Jesus flowed, where Jesus died, not just for our salvation, not just for my salvation so that I would know God, so that I could go to heaven, but where he died to crush the power of the enemy. Jesus died to set us free from those things that the enemy intends to destroy us with. Maybe it's a shattered heart. Maybe it's a traumatic event. Maybe it's a deep hurt that has left you depressed and oppressed or gripped and controlled by fear or pain. But Jesus came to set us free and to liberate us, to make provision for all of that by going to the cross. 
and the Holy Spirit can do in a moment. Hear me on this. The Holy Spirit can do in a snap, in a moment, in moments that sometimes takes years for us to discover and then to try to overcome in our human strength. He's a good, good God. He went to the cross, not just for salvation, but for deliverance and freedom. Jesus heals the brokenhearted, and he liberates the oppressed. When our hearts have been shattered, he can restore us. When the enemy has caused a deep hurt to control us, Jesus sets us free, and it's called inner healing. And that's what happened that night in the big old family Chiz house for me. You're amazing. Now you know why I married her. Yeah, great preacher. Point number three, freedom. Freedom. Jesus says, this is who I am. This is why I came. Freedom is the third foundational ministry of Jesus. In uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says these words, to proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus is not only a savior, but you need to know he's also a deliverer. Just so you know, you can be a Christian and you can be in bondage. It is a work of hell when that happens, but it can happen to you. You can be saved, you can and still be held in bondage to some area of your life. And it's not God's will for you and I to be in bondage to anything. He wants us to be free of all bondage. And I, and, and I want you to know that Jesus is the only one that can set you free. Give me an amen. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And do you know how to know if you're in bondage to anything? The way to tell if you're in bondage to anything or not is it is when you can't control it. Whatever the thing is, you can't control it. When you, when you have an area of your life that you've told God about a thousand times, I will never do that again. And guess what? You do it again. You would do it again. You're in bondage. But you, you can't control it when it happens as a result of going back to it again. There's a lot of things we're in bondage to, and I I don't want to go through the list. Just be very quick with this one thing. Probably one of the most difficult, especially for us men, and that's porn. Pornography. Pornography is out of control as far as I'm concerned. Porn on an adult level, 54% of people actively seek after porn on a daily basis. 54% of men and women seek out porn on a daily basis. Porn has gone to an almost, has now gone almost completely digital. 71% of adults, 85% of teenagers or younger view uh, porn by using videos online, being able to follow that online. It is a vile, wicked bondage. And you can't get free in and of yourself. You can't control it. You can't stop this from happening. Only Jesus can set you free from that bondage. The fourth foundational ministry of Jesus is healing. Healing, physical healing. Go with me to verse 18. Again, it says in verse 18, Luke chapter four, verse 18, and recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, 27, Jesus says the words, he says, um, 
you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. No, he says, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. I'm missing a piece of paper here. Is what Jesus says. Here it is. Jesus says that with God, all things are possible. I want to go to two scriptures real quickly with you. Go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. This is confirming uh, that Jesus brings forth healing. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Did you hear that? Did you see that? Healed all who were sick, the Bible says, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying... He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Listen to this. This is important. Remember what I just read to you. This is in 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live forever but by whose stripes we are healed. By whose stripes we are healed. Verse 16 says, he, he healed all who were sick. Verse 17 says, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Peter tells us, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, who himself bore our sins in our own body on the tree. The Bible, this is the Bible that's speaking to us in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Remember one more time, Jesus bore our sicknesses. 1 Peter 2, 24, Jesus bore our sins. Sicknesses and sin. We quickly believe and receive what Jesus has done for our sins. We sit back and we believe it. I know he died on the cross for me and he bore my sins. He, he was carrying my sins on the cross. I'm forgiven and we believe that. But when it comes to sickness, we're not quite so quick to believe. We're not quite so quick to believe the second thing that the Bible tells us about Jesus, that he bore our, he not only bore our sins, but he bore our sicknesses. Jesus bore both our sins and our sicknesses. So let me ask you a question. And my question is this. Don't answer right yet. Let me get through this. Has any, have anybody here ever had an experience of a supernatural healing in your life, a miracle that took place? Hold on a minute. Where, where you had a need, a physical need, something that was going on inside of you. Maybe there was something wrong with your back or maybe with your neck or, or maybe a tumor or they found a lump somewhere or an injury or something with the heart or something in the mind. And you prayed or maybe you asked someone else to pray for you and all of a sudden as they prayed for you, 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 you felt like something just happened. I'm different. You, you, you went to bed with it and you woke up without it and it's never been back yet. Anybody here ever have an, a miracle like that? Those kind of things happen. Look around, look around. These kind of things happen. It happens because of what Jesus does. And Jesus says he comes to heal the brokenhearted. Number, number five, my fa fifth and final point. I just want you to know that Jesus will heal you no matter what your need is. He can heal you and he's a good, good God. Give me an Amen. Number five, point number five, and that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, verse 18, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Because he has anointed me. Luke 4, 18. No doubt whatsoever. Jesus was anointed, was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and it says these words. It says how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. 
healing all who were oppressed, all who were bruised, all who were shattered by the devil. For God was with him. God was with him. We know for sure that the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. And one of the ministries of Jesus is now to anoint us. It's part of the ministry of Jesus. He wants to anoint you with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The promises that come to us from God's word. Go with me to John 1.33. This is John the Baptist who's speaking these words in John 1.33. And John the Baptist said, I did not know him, Jesus. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to immerse us. Jesus wants us to be totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. He wants, because we know, according to the scriptures, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's by the Holy Spirit. This is the one that will totally immerse you into the Holy Spirit. Jesus has been anointed by the Holy Spirit, so he anoints us. Acts 1.8 says, for you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power and you'll be witnesses all over the world is what Jesus says. Church, I'm burdened. I'm burdened with this message because I want you to know that Jesus can do more than just save you. Thank God for the salvation, but he can do more. That's not all that there is to God, to Jesus. Jesus can help you right now, no matter, no matter what it may be. And I'm serious about that. Financial, maybe something to do with the law, maybe something to do with relationships. Whatever your need is, no matter what it may be, I'm passionate about this. And I want you to know that there is a real Jesus, a real Jesus, and that Jesus can save you, that Jesus can heal you, that Jesus can heal your heart, that Jesus can set you free, that Jesus can anoint you with the Holy Spirit. So it's not in your power, but it's in his power that things are being done because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, stand up with me. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. He's so good. He is so good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want you to think about these foundational ministries of Jesus. Jesus himself said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Yes, I am the Messiah and I've come for you. Jesus said, I am the one who can save you. I am the one who can heal your broken heart. I am the one that can heal your body. I am the one that can set you free. I am the one that can, can anoint you with power. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you right now to just think about for a moment. Think about for a moment a need that you have, the need of your life, whatever that is. And while you've got that in your mind, I want you to talk to Jesus. Talk to him with your mind. Talk to him with your lips. Don't say it out loud. But Jesus, I, I want you to heal that. I want to be free of that. I don't want to be fearful of men and run every time a car slows down. I want to be free. God, I want you to heal me. And then while you're doing that right now, it doesn't take long. But I want you to receive it. I want you to receive it. And I want you to receive it by grace, through faith. Did you hear me? Jesus bore our sicknesses. Jesus bore our sins. And you can receive it by grace through faith.
You may need a little bit of help still. We're willing to help you. You may need some prayer and we're willing to pray with you. But the team is gonna sing their last and final song. And as they do, can I have our intercessors please come in quickly? We're gonna have our intercessors here. And if you have a need for anything, and I'm, I'm anticipating there's gonna be a line of people. So if there's a line of people, I want some of you other intercessors that are not on duty this week, come on down and help us because we wanna see God do miracles in people's lives today. So if you would begin that song, we're gonna do that. Please don't leave. We're, we're gonna release you here in just a few minutes. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to our church, I wanna let you know about a super exciting thing that we have going on currently. Our life path is a three-step process to getting involved and connected to our church. The first step is on the first week of the month, second step, second week of the month, and third step on the third week of the month. We can't wait to see you there as we grow together to become more connected, committed, and contagious.